Welcome to the HR Chat Podcast, bringing the best of the HR and talent communities to you. Welcome to another episode of the HR Chat Podcast. I'm your host, Bill Bannum, and today we are joined by the amazing, the awesome, the wonderful Jennifer McClure. Jennifer is a keynote speaker, social media influencer, executive coach, president of Unbridled Talent LLC, and CEO of the awesome Disrupt HR series. Jennifer has over 25 years of experience leading human resources and talent acquisition efforts, studying of industry best practices and partnering with senior executives to improve their skills and increase their impact. Jennifer, it's an absolute honor to have you on the show today. Welcome to HR Chat. Thank you. It's actually my honor to be here. Thanks, Bill. Uh, okay, let's jump straight in with the first question because I could be here with you all day and we don't have that long. So uh, starting off, uh, tell us a bit about yourself, your career history and how you came to be in your current roles. I spent about uh, 20 years in HR practitioner roles in the corporate world, so leadership and executive roles there, uh, everything from you know starting as an HR department of one to my last role as a VP of HR for a consumer products company here in the U.S. And when we sold the company, which was actually the goal, so that was a good thing, uh, I kind of found myself without a job at that time after, uh, you know, almost 20 years. And and at that time, felt I wanted to start my own business, but I got a lot of great advice from people that I wasn't ready. So went into uh, executive recruiting instead and kind of learned more of the business development and how to, you know, live on that 100% commission kind of world, you know, that was the biggest challenge that people said I would face is kind of going from the corporate regular salary to having my own business. But being a part of a team and and learning that side of the business from some great people, spent about four years doing that. And then in 2010, went out on my own. I primarily do speaking and training. So that's about 80% of what I do. Um, The other 20% or so with unbridled talent is coaching and writing and uh, consulting with companies in talent strategies, leadership development, or personal branding. Awesome. In 2000, Thank you. Yeah, in 2015, kind of added on Disrupt HR to those responsibilities, so my days are pretty full. <laughs> You're a very busy lady. We're gonna uh, we're gonna get to disrupt HR later. Um, our, our readers will probably be very aware that we uh, we absolutely love the whole disrupt HR series. We write about it. We talk about it all the time. We try and attend and partner with different events. But we'll get to that later. Um, before we do, uh, tell me a bit more about Unbridled Talent and, and what it does. Uh, so again, you know, most of what I do, I speak probably 50, 60 times a year at events, whether that's conferences or associations or corporate events. And again, on the topics of talent strategy, leadership development, career development, um, from that, again, you know, turns into some opportunities to work with companies maybe in those areas and then also work with some executives on improving their skills and uh, continuing to grow in their careers. I do write for publications like Career Builder and, um, you know, some other industry online publications as well as my own blog and the Disrupt HR blog. So kind of a real student of the talent acquisition and leadership uh, spaces and try to teach and share what I know. So that's the bulk of what I do is really um, doing everything I can to stay current with what's going on in the industry and the trends that are out there and be connected to the people who are really doing things so that I can highlight their work and also learn from them. What does an average work week look like for you, Jennifer? 
if there's such a thing. Yeah, yeah I guess the question is what <laughs> it was average. Uh, I guess my work really goes in seasons. Um, and, you know, it's maybe a little bit different than somebody who has a traditional kind of corporate day job. But the seasons for me are really spring and fall are very heavy travel and speaking. Everyone wants to hold a conference in April, May or uh, October, November, it seems. And so, you know, usually about three months in the spring and fall, I'm on the road and maybe speaking sometimes three, four times a week at events all over the world. And that's really the piece that I love and wish that that was a 12-month-a-year thing because I love to travel, I love to meet people, I love to learn at the events that I'm honored to be able to speak at. Um, you know, in the, the winter time and, and, you know, heavy summertime, not a lot of people are having those types of events. So that might be, you know, some work with corporate clients, which is, again, not as much travel. Um, but a lot of it is then kind of going back and both working on new talks or improving the talks that I have or fleshing out training programs, uh, you know, looking at my collateral and my marketing and, you know, what needs to be redone or refreshed there and creating new things so that I'll have those to share in the spring and fall. So it's a little bit seasonal. Like right now, I finished up my last uh, travel for 2016 last week. And so, you know, right now, I don't have anything in terms of travel for another month or so. And that will be time during the holidays to really spend reflecting and looking into preparing for 2017. Tell me a bit more about you in terms of uh, your personal loves and interests I, I understand for example that you're a bit of a of an equestrian um what 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 gives you the most pleasure out, outside of work oh, it's definitely the horses yeah I'm a bit <laughs> of an equestrian that's probably the best way to describe me <laughs> all passion uh, very little talent uh, i do have three horses uh two horses in a, a fall so uh, you know, they're where I spend my time when I'm in town and uh, would love to be able to, you know, I say if you could work in your passion, it would be something with horses, but that definitely doesn't pay. It costs money. Um, so I have to work to fund my passions, but I do, I love to travel and thankfully I get to do that as part of my job. But even before I started working for myself, I've always been kind of the master of I extend the business trip, you know, so if I go somewhere to speak, uh, I might stay on a couple of extra days to be able to see the world or explore something new. And that's something that I really enjoy and, and I'm blessed to be able to do in my work. So horses and travel and work, um, that's a lot of uh, pretty much what describes me and how I spend my days. If they were going to make a movie about your life, Jennifer, who would play you? Sandra Bullock. <laughs> <laughs> I just I like her a lot, and uh, you know, for some reason, people have said over the years uh, that I look like her, and um, you know, I have never seen that, but that is a huge honor, and I'll take it, even if it's just the dark hair, I'll take that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so you're obviously a very well-known speaker within Talent and Nature. Um, what what do you think makes for a powerful and impactful presentation? Sure. I think it's someone who, um, first of all, really cares about the message that they're giving, that it's not just that I want to stand up here and talk so that you'll look at me or that it's anything about me. But, you know, I really feel like the best speakers are those who have something to share and they just can't wait to share it. So usually that means that the message is much more than just, you know, here's a bunch of slides with some information that you can read and 
I'm going to talk to you uh, about me and what I've done for an hour. It's more about what stories can you share that help uh, really make people be able to see what you're trying to tell them and make it memorable, but also that you're really, um, it's really important, I think, to have some takeaways. So even in a keynote, uh, people want to have something that they can write down. I mean, I've learned that over the years. You, you just don't uh, want to see a presentation where nobody ever picks up that pencil and starts writing something down or typing it in their computer. People want uh, to learn, and they want to be inspired, and they want to leave there with some action that they can take. So I think the best talks really incorporate stories, action steps, a little bit of inspiration and some how-to for people to take away. Are, are there unique challenges when you're addressing an HR and talent audience compared to, say, I don't know, um, a group of marketing people or C-level uh, business owners, that, that kind of thing? Uh, that's a good question. I think, you know, there are challenges with any audience, but any time that I'm speaking, let's say, at a, a SHRM conference or an HR conference or event, the challenge is always that... Uh, people want high-level content that they can aspire to, but the audience is a mix of everyone from entry-level professionals to, you know, generalists to maybe even some, um, you know, executives or people who focus more on strategy. So trying to craft a message that all of those different types of people with their experience can relate to and feel like they learned something that's always a bit of a challenge. You're either giving something that's over the heads of a lot of people and they can't relate to that because they may never be someone who's interested in or wanting to work on strategy, um, or it may be too low level if you just talk about the day-to-day tasks of HR. So it's always a bit of a dance to make sure that you're crafting something that uh, everyone feels like they're getting something and can take away something from. Okay, now we are going to turn our attention more towards the wonderful, awesome, fantastic Disrupt HR series. Um, oh, how, do, been, how do you really I, feel? <laughs> <laughs> Jennifer, I've, I've, I've been really fortunate. I've, I've, I've attended a few of them now. I've, I've, I've uh, attended several of the Disrupt HR Torontos, of course, um, Disrupt HR Buffalo, Disrupt HR Cayman. I've, I've got a good sense of different uh, events, but they all sort of follow a, a similar format, which we'll talk about in a moment. Um, but they are, they are great for many, many reasons, and they're just growing it seems, right? They, they, everybody's hearing about them and everybody's excited about them. So tell, tell us a bit about Disrupt HR, how you first became involved and, and how, in, what, from what you've seen, it, it's evolved over the last few years. And, and maybe if you can, give, give us some insights into what's happening in 2017. Sure. Um, well, Disrupt HR started here in Cincinnati in 2013. A friend of mine, uh, Chris Ostich, who is, I, I call him a serial entrepreneur. He doesn't like that um, moniker. He said it makes it sound like he's crazy. But uh, in the sense of the fact that he's somebody who, you know, I love to talk to because you can't talk to him without him writing down everything and getting inspired and leaving that meeting with how you can start a company. So uh, he's founded several companies and is someone who just is really, I think, that classic idea person who can take ideas and run with them. And so we would typically meet a couple of times a year at the time he had founded an HR technology company called Blackbook HR, which is now a company called Metrics. Um, and just were chatting about kind of what each of us were doing, and this was mid-2013, um, and just sharing, you know, kind of what was new and, and upcoming. And 
um, Black Book HR had been selected for some awards at the HR Technology Conference, and he was saying, you know, I just wish more people knew about us. We have Fortune 100 clients. We're, we've got a really great product, uh, but even in Cincinnati, people aren't really familiar with us and what we do. And my kind of wish list was, you know, I speak at all these conferences and events, and they absolutely serve a need, and uh, the content, though, is pretty much the same, and that's fine. Uh, because people, you know, don't necessarily hear the same content all over the world. Uh, but I really felt like there was an opportunity to do something different and wished that there was a way to create maybe an event and bring people here to Cincinnati. So he actually left that meeting and, again, got his wheels rolling and his ideas. And he was the community organizer at the time for Ignite events in Cincinnati. Um, so Ignite events, if you're not familiar with those, they're the five-minute talks with 20 slides that advance every 15 seconds with people from the community who talk about an idea. So a little bit of TED, but a little bit different format. And so he came up with the idea to create an event in our space uh, that took that Ignite format and, again, reached out to people from the broader community. And uh, we put on our first event here in Cincinnati in December 2013. So that was the beginning, you know, really uh, – both of us having different wants, but he was able to, as he often does, put that into, um, you know, action form and make something happen. And a friend of mine, Mary Faulkner, who lives in Denver, attended that event and afterwards asked if she could do maybe something similar in Denver. So Chris and his team worked with her on the format and how to set it up. And um, somewhere along there, I believe Toronto came across it and um, also took the format from uh, Chris and his team and and began to put on events in Toronto, and I believe Cleveland was fourth. And from there, it was a few events here and there, maybe over 2014. And then in 2015, Chris and I decided that, you know, this was something that people really wanted to do. The, the talks coming out of the events were really good, and um, maybe to look at how we could actually make this a thing, you know, other than just people hearing about it and maybe, um, you know, toss it over some papers to them, but helping people to really build a community. So mid-2015, we formed an actual partnership, uh, began to really publicize the talks, built out our website, uh, created, you know, community information and materials and opportunities for the organizers to collaborate and since that time, uh, as of today, we're at 65 cities and 13 countries across the world, and I probably have five conversations a week with people who are interested in starting communities, so I expect that at least for the next um, unforeseeable future, at least, that it will continue to grow, so I'm very excited about that. 65 cities now. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Oh, my yeah. goodness me. Wow, that is exploding. Yeah. That, that's incredible. Congratulations. Yeah, I think it's, you know, the the really cool thing for me about Disrupt HR is that it's it's not something uh, that I've done or that Chris has done. It's We've provided the framework and the encouragement. Uh, it really is. All of the events are uh, volunteer-organized, community-led events. They, you know, do need to follow the format. There is a license so that we can, you know, make sure that people are able to maximize attendance at their events. Um but the output is really the talks. You know, again, we, we steal a little bit for all these people. We format and of course, uh, Ted has the ideas we're sharing kind of uh, tagline. And I think for me, that's what Disrupt HR is about. It's an opportunity for people who maybe never would 
uh, either get invited or consider getting on a stage at a conference or event for an hour-long talk or something like that, but uh, they have an idea to share and they're willing to get up and uh, do that in five minutes, and the format means that if you mess up, that's okay, and hopefully that just adds entertainment and humor to the event, and uh, we've seen some really great talks and ideas come from people who uh, never have spoken and may never speak on a stage again, and I think that's great. You mentioned the format there. Would you say that um, it's the format, it's the the idea that, you know, there's 12, 13 speakers, five minutes each. That's what makes the Disrupt HR brand uh, very distinct from other events out there? Or would you say there's more to it than that? I, yeah, I think, you know, I'm, I'm learning as, the, as this community grows that there are some things, you know, I've always said we're Disrupt HR, so we don't have rules. Um, but you know, I've had to come back <laughs> to, you know, we... We have to really protect that format because, um, you know, we have a community of disruptors out there. And so uh, if, if you look at some of the early talks in particular, there are people who don't use any slides or go over five minutes. And uh, what we've had to really kind of put our foot down and say is a disrupt HR event is five-minute talks with 20 slides that advance every 15 seconds. There are, you know, people probably, uh, I talked to two or three people a month who would like to maybe take the Disrupt HR brand and, and put it on top of a conference, you know, a regular conference or event, or, um, you know, add it on to something. And uh, we just have to, I think, be very careful that if I go to Disrupt HR in Toronto and then I see there's a Disrupt HR event in Singapore that I kind of know what to expect. So it's like McDonald's or Starbucks. If I go to McDonald's in Cincinnati or if I go to McDonald's in Paris, I pretty much know what's going to be on the menu and that the experience is going to be the same. Uh, there are going to be some unique things relatable to that community or location, but um, I know when I see McDonald's what I'm going to get. And so we're trying to really figure out how to make that the same with Disrupt HR while still allowing people to have their own flavor and culture in the events. Um, so, for example, we've had Disrupt HR Montreal and Disrupt HR Grenoble, France, both of those events are in French. Um, I'm excited. Those are our first non-English speaking cities. Um, but obviously, you know, they wanted them to be called Disrupt RH because that's the way it is in French. So those are things that I think we can bend on. Um, but the format is what we're really trying to keep um, consistent amongst the events. You, um, you talk a lot about the importance of building and maintaining professional relationships. In fact, if one goes to your LinkedIn profile, it's, it's one of your first uh, statements that you make. Um, how, how has this attitude uh, of being open and receptive to, to the general community helped you grow the Disrupt HR series across the world? Well, that's a good question. I think, you know, just in general in my career, I wouldn't be where I am today or have any of the success I have if it wasn't for the relationships that I have. You know, people who have encouraged me, taught me, referred me, um, you know, provided me business opportunities, et cetera. And so, you know, certainly I want to make sure that I give back to my community as well. And so I try to maintain the same attitude with people who approach me and ask for help or advice or mentoring uh, to do as much of that as I can. In terms of how that's kind of taken Disrupt HR, certainly uh, with my involvement, and then that's a lot of what I share online and talk about, many of my relationships uh, are like-minded people, and so many of them have actually been people who have organized communities or 
shared the messages, um, getting it out to the broader community. So I think that's just the benefit of relationships in general. We we kind of help each other, give each other a leg up, and then when somebody does something good that's worth sharing, um, share it out to our broader networks. And I don't think Disrupt HR would be where it is today without the relationships that I have, that Chris has, that um, that each of our organizers and speakers have and people in the community. Every day, again, when I talk to somebody who's interested in organizing a community, one of the first questions I'll ask is, well, how did you hear about Disrupt HR? And, you know, 90% of the time they got forwarded a video or came across something online uh, from somebody in their network who shared it. And so the message gets out because people share it with people that they care about and then those people, many of them, uh, take it and share it with their networks as well. So you are a social media influencer, and because of that, I bet you get approached all the time by people who want to have you espousing the virtues of their products, their tools, their, their software, whatever it might be. Um, could you maybe offer two or three big no-nos and maybe two or three um, appropriate ways to to approach uh, a social media influencer in, in the space if, if if one is looking to get a positive response and, and to build a relationship with you? I think, you know, it's it's a challenge. As I said, you know, I've, I've benefited from so many people who helped me and, and I'm sure I didn't have a, you know, existing relationship with many of those people when they originally invested in me. So it's a challenge. I think, you know, the, the common wisdom is you, you build the relationship first before you start asking someone to do something for you. But it's hard, you know, for, even for someone like myself uh, and anybody, I think I get emails. I just went through my email this morning and there's two or three in there of people who want to have coffee or, you know, an hour long phone call or want to tell me about their product. And and if I did that full time, I wouldn't get any work done, you know, so I have to find ways to uh, still try to help those people, but I can't give my personal time to everyone that, you know, one of the emails was somebody who's wanting to move to the U.S. and his proposition was is that he does the same thing I do. And so let's partner up. I don't know you, you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. we may be in the same space, but, you know that's a huge ask of somebody I want to partner with you and your business that you've spent seven years of developing it's just you know um, I get that you if you don't ask you won't get but I just think there's that we're missing a little bit of there is time that needs to be spent in developing the relationship so how can you do that with someone who's a quote social media influencer or just an influencer in the space in general you know read their stuff share their stuff uh, tell them why you like what they've written or shared. Um, you know, in my case, I share my whole self online. So like my pictures of my horses, ask me how Nala is doing, you know, do something <laughs> so that, um, you know, you start to come up on my radar um, would be one way. Another way would be to start really doing great work yourself. Uh, a lot of the people that I look at in my network are people that I've noticed, you know, that I reached out to, that I started sharing their content, that I started saying, hey, I really like what so-and-so's doing. And so the relationship was built that way because I shared, I, you know, invested in them. And I think, you know, it's a two-way street. As an influencer, there will be people reaching out to you and they need to really invest in the relationship with you. But at the same time, um, you got to be keeping your eyes out for companies or individuals that you think are doing great things and can share. And and once, you know, some of that relationship is built, then I think there's opportunities to begin saying, how can we help each other? But to start out the conversation with how can we help each other, it just 
almost never works, unfortunately. Okay, so let's let's move away from uh, the social media influencers and let's talk about speakers. I mean, obviously, there's a lot of overlap, but to your point, some of the speakers at Disrupt HR, uh, maybe it's their first time speaking. Maybe they're you know then they're not. Uh, super prominent people yet um, but can you can you list four or five speakers that you've seen at one of the disrupt hr events uh, that had a a big impact on you and tell me why that was yeah and i think um that's always a great question and i and i ask uh, when i do organizer profiles on our disrupt hr blog i ask them that question as well and they're like i can't choose um, <laughs> for me you know right now i think we have over 600 videos that are online on our disrupt hr channel and i'm actually working my way through all of those so that i can curate the content so i've probably watched 200 300 of the videos now i don't even know how many and every every day i'm like oh wow that was just a great talk i just love it but the ones that kind of stick out for me now and again it's not to the exclusion of many of the others is one of the you know first well the first event that i attended outside of cincinnati was in denver and a guy named greg roche uh who i believe it was his first public speaking event gave a talk called idea sex and talent management and it was and is i think everything that a disrupt hr talk should be a little bit edgy a lot funny taking a concept and really fleshing it out in a great presentation and it's it's still one of my favorite talks today talking about you know how we should really be uh, sharing more ideas in order to innovate and disrupt the future of work so that's the first one that always comes to mind for me and then you know um, there was a disrupt HR Toronto event the second one that um, almost every talk there was one of my favorites but two that really come to mind um, Ryan Porter uh, who gave a talk called Wolves in the Workplace. And again, a great delivery, great talk, but the idea that we are excluding people who don't have college degrees uh, from the hiring process and how that doesn't make sense. And he equated that to the wolves being taken out of the ecosystem in Yellowstone and then reintroduced, I think, again, a great idea really in a compelling way. Another talk from that event and her name just escapes me, but it uh, was about mentorship versus sponsorship. Uh, so really kind of flipping the idea on its head of that we really push mentoring in the workplace, but what we should be pushing is people who actually take ownership of someone's career and sponsor them. And she had some great stats and information about how sponsorship is more effective than mentorship. And then I guess a fourth one just to kind of um, – you know, Vadim Lieberman, who has spoken three times at Disrupt HR New York and will be speaking tonight at their fourth, at their seventh event, I believe. Vadim's event, he's got three talks out there online, and all of them are funny. Uh, he does a really great job. You can tell he's, he's practiced the presentations. He's not a, a speaker. He's a practitioner. Um, but he really takes ownership of giving a great talk that's fun and entertaining and also... Um, a, a bit intriguing. He uses great visuals, and I think he's just he just owns the Disrupt HR format, and that's why he keeps getting invited back to Disrupt HR New York. 
It would be uh, it would be remiss of me not to do a little bit of a shout out to a couple of MCs of Disrupt HR events that I've, I've really enjoyed seeing too. Uh, those would be Tim Baker, our very own Tim Baker, um, and and also Chris Bailey um, over at the Cayman uh, event. That was that was pretty awesome, and that uh, they helped things move along and kept it very entertaining and, and fun. Um, Jen, we are coming to the end of this particular episode, and I'm, I'm very sad about that. Uh, I could sit here with you all day, I think. But uh, before we before we wrap up, um, how can our listeners learn more about you? Sure, you can find me on the interwebs at unbridledtalent.com is my website. On Twitter at Jennifer McClure, so my name, just all one word. Um, and I'm on other social media platforms as well, but those are certainly the places where you can find more about me. You can also find uh, you know, content that I share and certainly um, curating over on disrupthr.co and um, on Twitter at disrupt underscore HR. Awesome. Thank you very much. And uh, thank you for being our guest today. Uh, this has been a, a great interview. Thanks, Bill. I appreciate, again, the opportunity and also your support of Disrupt HR events all over the world. Uh, long may it continue. And uh, that takes us to the end of this particular podcast. So thank you very much for listening. And until next time, this has been your host, Bill Bannum. And the show is called HR Chat, brought to you by the HR Gazette. Thank you for listening to the HR Chat podcast, brought to you by the HR Gazette.